Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in, everybody, to episode 153 of the podcast that is sweeping America, the Eratora Sports Podcast. What a week it has been for your boy AT, okay? So for those of you who are not aware, I am currently in, when, when, when I last recorded, the big topic that I presented, right, was RJ Barrett to Australia. And I kind of gave you the reasons why it was okay, it wasn't okay, whatever, blah, 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 blah. I didn't realize, but I wrote an article after that basically said the exact same thing in this podcast, and it started an international controversy. I don't know how, and I don't know why, but the term thunder from down under, it is a real thing, and it is terrifying. My mentions have been ablaze on Twitter for the past uh, 48 hours or so, so I'm going to talk about my beef with the entire continent of Australia they are definitely in the bottom three of my my continent power rankings uh, going into 2019-2020. Speaking of which, it was the NBA draft deadline yesterday. The final day players could submit their names for the draft, keep their names in the draft, all that kind of stuff. And so I will get into who are the teams that won, who are the teams that lost, and what my top 25 looks like. I'll tell you this, quick preview, Kentucky and Louisville both in the top five, the best rivalry probably in college basketball is going to be in Fuego next year. It's going to be on fire. Not quite like my mentions this week, but it is going to be on fire. Wild show today. Wild show. I don't know how I got in, 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 in an international incident with an entire continent, yet here we are. So before we get into it, if you want to be part of the only podcast in America that is not only sweeping America, but that is in beef with another country and continent, make sure you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. If you have an Android, subscribe on the Podcast Addict app. That's where I listen to this show. You can listen on Podbean, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to your podcast. That is where you need to go to download this show, but also to subscribe to this show. So make sure you're subscribed to this show. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Five stars are encouraged. Five stars are welcomed. Give me five stars. Because I'm in beef, I'm in beef with another country right now. So give me five stars because no other podcast host in America could say that. Also, please make sure to follow me on Instagram 
Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast posted some video there yesterday as the draft deadline decisions were coming in. And finally, uh, if you have any questions for the podcast, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. I appreciate all of you who have submitted them. We do have a couple for today's show, so I will read them at the end. All right, so let's get into it. Because I am in a long-standing 48-hour beef with the continent of Australia, okay? I didn't wake up on Tuesday morning. I actually woke up feeling awful because it was the day after my bachelor party. But I certainly didn't wake up thinking that I would cause an international incident by the end of the day. Most of you probably at least have tangential understanding of what happened. But for those of you who don't, here goes. So... You guys know, because I talked about it for 35 minutes on the show last week, that or on Tuesday, that RJ Hampton, five-star guard from the Dallas area, really good player, decided that he wanted to go spend his one year, rather than going and play college basketball, overseas, and he picked the Australian League. And his argument for picking the Australian League was he said, this is going to best prepare me for the NBA. And if you listen to this show you know that I poked holes in that. I just don't agree with that sentiment. I, I, I don't agree that going to Australia is the best place to prepare for the NBA. Now look, I will say this. I'm not saying, I never said college basketball is the best place to prepare for the NBA. I never said that. Never said that. All I said was, Australia ain't it. If this is really about the best place to go play college, to, to prepare for the NBA, Australia ain't it. A league where they only play 28 regular season games. A league where Andrew Bogut was the league MVP. A league where Isaac Humphreys, who couldn't get off the bench at Kentucky, was your rookie of the year. And oh, by the way, this past season, Harry Froling, who came at me on Twitter this week, by the way, he was rookie of the year this past year, and he couldn't get off the bench at Marquette. And so... As I said on this show last week, if it is really about being best prepared for the NBA, I said, frankly, he should probably go to the G League. And if he didn't go to the G League, there are a lot of great leagues in Europe. I just never bought the notion that Australia was the best place for him to develop. Didn't think that was a hot take. Didn't think it was a big deal. And oh, by the way, if he had just said, I think that this is the best place for me, period, They're going to pay me a little something. I'm going to be a professional. I'm going to be able to work on my craft while collecting a paycheck. I can't hate on that. How can I hate on a kid that wants to make a little money playing basketball at 18 years old? That's great. That's the dream. I wish I could have gotten paid at 18 to play basketball. So I had no problem with if he had just said that, if he had just said, I think this will be better than me, this will be better than Europe for me because I can acclimate to the culture better, because my family who's coming with me can acclimate better. Like, that's fine. I I would have had no problem with that. And by the way, I don't have any problem with it. And I think the one thing you guys know me, um, I don't have any issue with the idea of the kid skipping college, right? Because I cover college basketball, everybody said, oh, well, you're just defending college basketball. No, man, I don't really care. I really don't care. College basketball is going to be fine without R.J. Hampton. They're going to be fine with the next kid that either goes overseas or chooses an alternative path. College basketball is going to be fine. We're still going to watch the games. We're still going to watch Duke, Carolina, Louisville, Kentucky, Michigan, Michigan State, whatever. Like, we're going to watch those games. 
And so it, it, it was, I didn't think, a very hot take. Okay, so I said all that on this podcast on Tuesday. And then I basically wrote a very similar article on Tuesday. Now, I will say this, a couple things. One, the headline may have been a little too aggressive. Here was the headline. There's no proof New Zealand will better prepare RJ Hampton for the NBA than college hoops. So, I don't, by the way, I don't necessarily disagree with the headline. The one mistake that I did make in the article was that I never explained what the better alternative would be for RJ Hampton. And by the way, I'll, I'll admit this. Not only is Australia mad at me, a lot of you guys told me, hey, AT, this wasn't your best work, whatever. Okay, it happens. Not everyone has their best day at work every single day. I don't regret the article, though. The one thing that I do regret is this, and the one thing that you guys have to understand about the writing process is when you're trying to write an article, there's times where stuff just doesn't fit, right? Like, like, like you want to say something, but there's really no place to put it in. And so I wrote the article. I made the argument that I don't think Australia is the best place for RJ Hampton if it really is about best preparing himself for the NBA. I don't think playing in a league where Isaac Humphreys can win Rookie of the Year is the best place to prepare yourself for the NBA. I don't think playing in a league that only plays 28 regular season games when you're supposed to be preparing your body for an 82-game regular season, don't think that's the best place to play if you're trying to prepare for the NBA. The one thing I didn't do, and if you read the article, I can see where this could be misconstrued, is I didn't actually say, I didn't actually list better alternatives. And so because I didn't, I never said in the article the way that I said on this podcast on Tuesday, uh, I never said, hey, if it's really about just the best place for basketball, then go to Europe. Go to the G League. You don't have to go to college basketball. But oh, by the way, I do think there are some merits to what I said about actual college basketball, which is that I know that if you go to Duke or Kansas or Kentucky or wherever RJ Hampton was going to go, obviously Memphis was in the picture, um, like you're going to get things that I don't think they have in Australia. Every meal is catered. Every not, not even catered. It's prepared by a personal chef. It's prepared by a nutritionist. The facilities are great. And by the way, you know how I know I'm right on that part? Because of the fact that other people have said the same thing. Seth Greenberg from ESPN said this the other day. Here was his exact quote. This was what Seth Greenberg said on this topic. He said, No doubt R.J. Hampton has a right to chase his dream and get paid, but the notion that he will be, be developed better playing in New Zealand is just comical. The support staff, facilities, coaching, and stage he will play on pales in comparison to playing, or, or it, the on, on stage pales compared to playing for Memphis, Kansas, or Texas Tech. That was essentially the gist of my article. Unfortunately, what I didn't say is two things. Well, what I said was that, um, that it won't prepare him better than college, which I kind of stand by. The one thing that I didn't make explicitly clear was that I was saying that if it really is about the best possible spot to prepare for the NBA, he should probably either go to the G League or go to Europe because you're going to play more games against better competition. You know, that was the big thing about these Australian people. who are like, well, we've, we've put in seven or eight guys in the NBA in the last couple of years. I'm like, yeah, so is Duke. So is Kentucky. 
So if you want to play against the best competition, go to the G League. How many NBA guys are in the G League? And so all I'm saying is it was a long day. I didn't think anything crazy of the article. Like that's the wild part. I didn't think anything was that crazy about the article because I said all the same things on this podcast and like nothing really struck me as like, wow, I I completely crossed a line or I'm completely wrong. And I don't think for the record, I'm completely wrong. I think I shared an opinion. I think my opinion is based on fact. A league where Isaac Humphreys wins rookie of the year cannot be the best place to prepare for the NBA. But word got back to Australia. And word got back to Australia, and they were not happy. It was unbelievable. Like, in the snap of a finger, this thing went crazy viral. And I got so many threats and FUs, and, like, I literally had to shut off my phone because I was getting stuff, because I, I, I was trying to get stuff done, and I had so many people responding. So I'm not going to uh, read you everyone. I do want to read you some of my favorite responses from the folks of Australia. So first of all, shout out to Mark Gottlieb, who works for Fox Sports Australia. Not a very happy camper, by the way, because I've been kind of trying to uh, engage him on Twitter. He's not very happy. He said his, his Twitter handle, at Mark Gottlieb Fox. So if you want to say hello to him from your buddy Aaron Torres, feel free. When I put out the article, he said, this is the most laughably dumb thing I've read in a couple days. So first of all, at least it was only a couple days. I mean, I don't know what laughably awful thing he read previously, but at least my article was only a couple days old. Do yourself a favor and give this man the clicks he desperately wants. You'll enjoy the hell out of reading it. Mark Gottlieb, Fox Sports Australia, so mad in these Twitter streets. How about Scott Pride? Sometimes you read a story and decide that it is enough internet for the day. That is this story. Not going to lie. I feel like there's worse stories on the internet. I mean, there's there's civil wars in certain countries. We have, uh, I don't know, uh, gun problems in this country that I'm not going to get all political here on this show. Uh, children are orphaned. Dogs are abandoned in, in, in dumpsters. But apparently, according to Scott, this article about R.J. Hampton was the one that put him over the edge, that said, I got to turn off the internet for the day. Not everything on CNN, not everything on Fox News, not the dogs in the dumpster. Scott got turned off to the internet for the whole day because of R.J. Hampton. So, Scott, I apologize. I apologize. Also, I don't know what you Google, but apparently you live in a pretty safe world. Uh, I'll keep going. Tiago. So Tiago got a little inappropriate with his language. So if you have children in the car, please forgive me. Turn down the volume for about the next 10 seconds. But Tiago, who, oh, by the way, his Twitter bio claims that he's a writer. His Twitter bio says writer and writer and analysis for fair play PT, whatever that is, says, and I quote, this how you fucked up being a writer without consulting good sources, shaking my head. So shout out to Tiago the writer. This how you fucked up being a good writer without consulting good sources. Yo, Tiago, I'm not even mad, bro. I just want you to proofread your stuff before you put it out there. Like, Tiago, it's not that big of a deal. Just, just you know, if you're going to drop F-bombs, just make sure it's a coherent sentence so I know exactly why you're mad. Uh, I can keep going. By the way, this is the funny part. They start referencing all these players 
that the Australian League has produced as if I give a crap about a bunch of B-list and C-list NBA players. So Jeff Scott, wow, what a piss-poor article. Torrent Craig, who plays for the Nuggets. Andrew Bogut. Terrence Ferguson played in the NBL in the last two seasons and are on NBA rosters. This is why the U.S. is a laughing stock when you can't even use the internet property. Yo, I'll just say this. Shout out to Torrent Craig because I know if R.J. Hampton played at Kansas, they open the season against Duke next year. I mean, Duke had Zion. Duke had R.J. Barrett, Duke had uh, Brandon Ingram and Jason Tatum and Grayson Allen over the last couple years, but Torrent Craig, he can play against Torrent Craig in Australia. Shout out to Torrent Craig. No one's ever heard of you. Oh my goodness. So shout out, by the way, to Jeff because, oh my goodness, R.J. Hampton can play against Torrent Craig. I mean, I would think playing against Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett, and Cam Reddish on the same team is pretty good. I would think playing against Keldon Johnson, uh, Tyler Hero and PJ Washington on the same team is pretty good, but you can play against Torrent Craig. Shout out to Torrent Craig. So those are some of them. Finally, the last one. How about our boy Harry Froling, who averaged three points per game at Marquette? How about our boy Harry Froling? Okay, three points per game at Marquette. This is the guy who won Rookie of the Year in the AB in the uh, NBL last year. Harry Froling said to me, in Australia, this is what we call a peanut. Thanks for the shout-out, champ. Now, I didn't respond to Harry Froling. I have a rule in life. I only respond to people who averaged at least four points per game in college basketball. So if you can't get over the four-point-per-game barrier at Marquette, I can't really respond to you. So I apologize, Harry Froling. He called me a peanut. I'm still not totally sure what that means. I think it's supposed to be an insult, but I can't, uh, I can't be sure. But again, I, I can't really respond to him because I have a company policy of not responding to people that did not average at least four points per game in college. So it was an unbelievable couple days. And by the way, those are only some of them. I mean, it's been nonstop one after the other after the other. The great thing is, though, I do want to say on a positive note, and I'm, I'm actually going to be serious here. Uh, I do want to give a quick shout out to my boy, uh, his name, uh, he runs an NBL podcast, okay? So it's called the NBL Pocket Podcast, and my buddy, Joseph. Joseph reached out, and he basically said to me, like, look, I think there was a lot of things that you did wrong in that, th that thing, but I do give you credit, and I want to give you a platform to at least explain yourself. And so, shout out to Joseph from the NBL Pocket Podcast. I went on with him for about 45 minutes and I explained myself. And I basically said I made one big mistake in that article. That's the only thing that I regret. The one big mistake was that I did not I did not actually list better alternatives than the NBL. I I made it seem like a college versus NBL argument. And anybody who listens to this podcast knows that wasn't really the case, which that's my fault. That's my fault as a writer. I need to be better, and I, I, I own that, and I, I respect uh, the people that actually said, like, dude, like, if you're telling me, like, college basketball is just definitively better, like, I don't buy it. Uh, okay, I don't buy, yeah, you're playing against grown men. You're playing against 24, 25, 26-year-old kids, or 25, 25, 26-year-old grown men. But I also know, like I said, when you compare all the variables – I'm just not sold that the NBL 
is a better alternative than a number of different places. And yes, I would include college in that. I'm not saying the competition is better. I'm not saying the players are better in college. Although I will say, Zion Williamson, Torrent Craig, Zion Williamson, Torrent Craig. I'm having a tough time kind of getting between the two of them. I can't decide on those two. But it's not really about the competition. It's about everything else. It's about the fact that, as Seth Greenberg said, weight training facilities, uh, support staff, nutrition, these are real things. And if R.J. Hampton just wants to get paid to play basketball, that's fine. I get it. I have no problem with it. But you cannot tell me that the NBL is a better option than this. So it was an unbelievable couple days. I can't believe that that we're here. I can't believe that I started beef with an entire continent. It was never my intention. Um, I just, you know, I just, uh, and the thing that, I, and I think the Australian people that actually listen to the podcast understand this, and I'll say this, and then we'll wrap up, we'll move on to the next thing. Shout out to Torrent Craig. You know, the thing about not just Torrent Craig, but about me, so I can't speak for Torrent Craig anymore. So my thing is this, and you guys know this about me. How All you guys listen. We have a lot of people that listen to this show every single week. It's not like Colin Coward. Number, we, we, we have a lot of people that listen to this show. And the one thing I think you'll all agree, you don't agree with every opinion that I have, but I think what you guys like about me is that I always tell my version of the truth. I always tell what I truly believe to be the truth. I might end up being proven wrong. I might end up um, be end up being right. I might end up in a place where you just disagree and it, we don't get a resolution. But I don't I don't do things for clicks. I don't do things to, for retweets. I say what I truly believe. And so, like, I'll give you an example. Like, all this Will Wade stuff over the last couple months, I've had dozens of you reach out and say, dude, chill with the Will Wade crap. He's a cheater. He's a this. He's a that. That's fine. But my version of the truth is that while I'm 99.9% certain that he's broken rules, I can't demand that the man be fired when... There is no tangible proof that he broke the rules. And that's my version of the truth. You can disagree with that. And I think when you listen to this podcast, you hear like, okay, Torres brings up some pretty interesting points. And so that's what the continent of Australia doesn't understand right now is that I'm not backing down from this because I truly believe that RJ Hampton's exact quote was, this is the best place to prepare me for the next level. And I don't agree with that. And some of the transition some of the wording was a little sloppy like I said I would have offered other alternatives that were better I wouldn't have made it such a college versus the NBL argument although like I said I still think college is just as good of a place to develop as the NBL when you factor in not only level of competition but you also factor in other factors like um, strength and conditioning like nutrition I've said it all I'm not going to keep repeating myself but like I stand by the article, and I, and I think that that's what's frustrating people in Australia. They want me to back down off this, and I'm not going to back down. I'm like, no, dude, I'm not going to apologize for this. This is how I really feel. Why would I apologize? So it's been an unbelievable week. By the way, apparently I am going to be part of some kind of viral thing uh, because some guy came after me last night. He's apparently a former player. Um, I'm trying to find the tweet right now, but he's an angry man. 
and he told me that he is uh, well. You're going to be part of uh, you know the uh, um, uh, whatever. Like you're going to be part of my my rant next week. And he's like a former player. It says two-time Olympian in his bio. And I'm like, yo, I don't really care, bro. Because here's the thing. I I tell my version of the truth, and I, I can live with that. I can sleep at night, you know? And so, oh, here it is, Mark Worthington. So I do the I do the NBL Pocket Podcast. Shout out to my boy Joseph. Great guy. And Mark Worthington says, after listening to the podcast, I did some in-depth research and came to the realization that he is an arrogant dick. You know I'm teeing off on him next time next week on Trash Talk. So apparently I'm going to be part of some kind of TV segment. I did tell him, Mark, and this was the exact quote that I gave him on, on, on Twitter. I said, Mark, there are many things in this world I care about. The health and happiness of my parents is one. Shout out to both my parents who sometimes listen to this show. Global warming. I care that every abandoned puppy finds a home. Your opinion, Mark, is not one of those things, which only made him matter, which only means he's going to come at me harder in trash talk next week. Shout out to Mark Worthington, two-time Olympian. Uh, he is part of, uh, he was apparently part of the Olympic team in Australia, and he's an ambassador for basketball and the NBL. So, of course, he's got to defend his league. But again, I stand by what I said. I don't apologize for what I said. I wish I had added one line where I said, if this is really about what's best for him, go to the G League, go play in Europe. But other than that, I don't regret it. So shout out to the country of Australia. Shout out to Torrent Craig. I'm over this beef, but I have a feeling it's going to keep going. I didn't even mention, by the way, the NBL actually reached out to me. They said, dude, we want to educate you. We want you to be smarter. By the way, I don't know how much education I need. Isaac Humphreys was the rookie of the year. Don't know how good your league is. But anyway... So there is a possibility that the commissioner, or I guess they call him the CEO of the league, uh, may be coming on this podcast. I don't know. We'll find out. But that is the up-to-the-minute da- uh, data with my beef uh, on with Australia, with the continent of Australia, with New Zealand. It was never intended to be anything personal. It was more a knock on the American media who continues to tear down college basketball uh, and applaud these guys. As if they uh, are, you know, as if, uh, you know, they, they just found a cure for cancer because they decided not to go to college basketball. So uh, this will continue. We'll see if anything happens with this. But that is where my beef with Australia stands. Now, let's get into the other fun part. The other fun part, of course, being that Wednesday was the NBA draft deadline. And if you listen to this show, you obviously know, like, you know what that is, but for people who don't know, I'll just kind of throw it out there. Uh, obviously, all the underclassmen, you can declare for the draft. 200-something of them did this year. And May 29th, yesterday, was the day that you had to withdraw from the draft if you didn't want, if you wanted to retain college eligibility. And so if you want to come back to play college basketball next year, Wednesday was the day that you had to withdraw. And so all day long, I, I kind of, it reminds me of like the night of a presidential election and you, you start turning on your favorite network, whatever it is, CNN, Fox, I'm not going to get into politics again, but your favorite network and it's like, oh, California's in, oh, Arizona's in, oh, New Mexico's in, oh, Connecticut's in, oh, Kentucky's in, oh, Florida's in. That's how it was all day 
with college basketball, right? And what's uh, why, why I think the parallel works is because whether you're red or blue, some states are coming in on your behalf, some states aren't, and that's how it is for a college basketball fan. Some guys are coming back, some guys aren't. And so let's start by talking about the big winners. I'll get to my top 25 in a minute, but I think the big winners in my mind are Kentucky, Louisville, Kansas, Maryland, and Seton Hall. And so let's get into each of them individually. Kentucky, obviously a big winner over the course of the last two or three days because the two guys that were genuinely in the draft testing the waters both decided to come back to school. Nick Richards and EJ Montgomery about 6 p.m. on Wednesday afternoon kept everybody waiting, kept everybody guessing, etc. And so it was a huge day for Kentucky. Obviously, look, they lost early on Tyler Hero, Keldon Johnson, P.J. Washington, but they've known for four or five weeks now that those guys were going to be gone. That's not new news, but the two guys they wanted back are back, and I think this is obviously great for Kentucky. I think it's obviously great for Kentucky, and I think the X factor, and we all agree probably, is E.J. Montgomery. Now look, if you, if you don't follow college basketball, and I think most everybody listening does, E.J. Montgomery is a big X factor, even though Statistically, he wasn't great last year. But in his defense, he was playing against the second best player in the SEC, according to coaches, P.J. Washington, probably the best player over the course of SEC play. And also behind a fifth-year senior, Reed Travis, who was four years older than him. And so there just weren't a lot of minutes to be had. But P.J. Washington did show flashes. He did score in double figures a few games. And he was the one guy that you felt like he can make that P.J. Washington Type leap next year. Now, will he? That's up to him. I don't know how hard of a worker he is, and I'm not saying he's not a hard worker. I'm just saying I don't know how hard of a worker he is. I don't know what his end game is. I don't know how much he's going to put in the time, but he can be that guy for Kentucky. And why I think he's important one, I think he can be their star. I think he can be their best player. I love that they have three sophomores back Ashton Hagens, Emmanuel Quickly, and EJ Montgomery, as well as, of course, uh, who was the other one? Nick Richards, who I just mentioned a minute ago. So I think this is huge, and why E.J. Montgomery is so important is two reasons. One, I just mentioned, he can be the star of the team. But the other thing is, and that's obviously a huge reason, like, right, he could be the best player on the team. I think he could be the best big man in the SEC. Um, but I think beyond that, and this is a huge big deal, is that he creates so much versatility for Kentucky. And I don't know how many of you like know Kentucky's depth chart off the top of your head or what their freshmen play like, but basically if Kentucky wants to go big, if they want to play a big lineup, they can put Nick Richards at the center position, EJ Montgomery at the four, and then work their way down from there. But on the flip side, if they want to go small, this new era of spacing, of small ball, of three-point shooting, you can put Ashton Hagen's Emmanuel quickly and say a Johnny Juzang at the guard spots, and then, oh, by the way, put Khalil Whitney, another freshman at the four, and put EJ Montgomery at the five. Or, like I said, you can go small, you can go big, put Nick Richards in at the five, whatever. So that's why this is so important, is because it gives them lineup versatility. And so I think this is a great sign for Kentucky. We'll get into my top 25 in a minute, but I have Kentucky at number two because I love the fact that they have a sophomore, two sophomores really at the point guard position. I didn't even mention Tyrese Maxey, by the way. You could play the three guards 
Ashton Hagens, Emmanuel Quickly, and Tyrese Maxey, Khalil Whitney at the four, EJ Montgomery at the five, which is a lineup I think they'll use quite a bit, by the way. But I bring that up because it just creates so much versatility for them. I love that they have two sophomores in the backcourt, experienced by college basketball terms with Ashton Hagens and Emmanuel Quickly. Now EJ Montgomery is back. The other big winner within its own state, one of the last guys to announce he was coming back, Jordan Nwora. And like EJ Montgomery, I think Jordan Nwora is the glue that brings Louisville together. Now look, Jordan Wara, not going to lie, doesn't play a ton of defense. I get it. Basketball is played on both ends of the court. It happens, right? We understand how that works. But what I would say is this, is that he was a guy who almost averaged 20 points a game in the ACC last year, and that guy's coming back. And you get that guy back, that's huge. Because one, he's probably the best player in the ACC. But beyond that, Chris Mack... I, what I love about Chris Mack's team is he has a nice combination of pieces that include both veterans and freshmen. No different than all the good teams, right? Kentucky, Duke, uh, whoever, North Carolina. Like, there's veterans, there's experience, but there's young guys. And so what I love about Louisville, you got the two, three, four veterans that have been there before, with Nora being the highest profile, but also Dwayne Sutton, Stephen Enoch, another guy that decided to return, Ryan McMahon, Darius Perry. Oh, by the way, they also got a kid named Lamar Kimball, who's going to be the point guard. But oh, by the way, oh, by the way, they also got a load of freshman class coming in. Samuel Williamson is a three-point shooter from Texas. This kid's a stud. I mean, he's really, really, really good. He's about 6'8", 6'9", can shoot the crap out of the ball. He gives them more scoring punch, which I think is really important for that team because, again, outside of Jordan War, they really didn't have much last year. Aiden Agahan is a load down low. I'm sure most of you guys have at least watched film, watched highlights of him. That kid is a monster, okay? He is a monster, and what is so impressive, uh, what is so shocking to me, you guys all know this, but he really wanted a Kentucky offer. And he, he actually literally pushed back his commitment, waiting and waiting and waiting on a Kentucky offer that never came. That's one I think John Calipari might live to regret because I think that's the kind of kid that's going to come in, kind of a Montrez Harrell type defense, energy, rebounding. And I think by year two, I think he could develop into a really, really, really good college basketball player. So Louisville, another big winner. How about Kansas? Wild deadline night for Kansas because both Quentin Grimes, Devon Dotson, two top 25 recruits from last season, they both elected to come back. And then right after that's announced, Quentin Grimes says he's transferring. So I have no insight yet into where he might be interested, where he might be going, but Quentin Grimes is gone at Kansas. It just never meshed for him. I don't know why. I mean, he apparently, and he and Bill Self didn't see eye to eye. I don't get it. I just think he missed too many open shots. Like I don't think it was Bill Self's fault that he shot like 31% from three or something like that. So he is gone, but the key is Devon Dotson. Devon Dotson is to Kansas what Ashton Hagens is to Kentucky, what Trey Jones is to Duke in the sense that everything goes through him. And so now you look at Kansas. First of all, I think he could be like a first-team All-American type kid, although I will say this, all the good teams have point guards. Ashton Hagens, as I said, Trey Jones, Cassius Winston at Michigan State, but I'll also say 
Kansas has some other important pieces coming back. Adoka Azabuke coming back from injury. By the way, you guys know this. You don't need me to tell you. But Kansas was number one in the country when Adoka Azabuke was healthy last year. He hurt his hand, and he's never since recovered. But I only bring that up to say, like, you know, Doak is a real factor for that team. So Adoka Azabuke is back. Silvio D'Souza, who I talked about last episode, I thought the NCAA did the right thing by allowing him to play. Probably should have asked him to transfer from Kansas, but he did sit out a year. Whatever. I'm over it. Um, so anyway... So big day for Kansas, big day for Louisville, big day for Kentucky. I'll add a couple more. Seton Hall. I think you could make the case. And everybody knows Seton Hall, Miles Powell. Miles Powell went for like 30 against Kentucky at the Garden last year. It was unbelievable. So Miles Powell comes back. And I'll tell you this. Seton Hall returns eight of their top nine scorers from last year. Eight of their top nine. Eight of their top nine, but Miles Powell was the guy. He is, I, I, and it's crazy how one guy can make this much of a difference in college basketball. So what's amazing about Miles Powell, he was such a huge factor for Seton Hall that I'm not even, like if he didn't come back, I don't even think they're an NCAA tournament team. Now, I have them in the top 15 coming into next year, and I think they can make the Final Four. Now, will they? I don't know. Kevin Willard. I don't think Kevin Willard's like Red Auerbach 2.0. Not going to lie. But could they? Yeah, I do. I think they can. I think they can make a run. So it'll be really fascinating to see. But Miles Powell, huge, huge, huge addition for Seton Hall. And I think he's the like he's the kind of guy that could win National Player of the Year. He's the guy that could be a first-team All-American, and he's the guy that could put Seton Hall on his back and get them to the Final Four. The last one in the winner category, uh, I will say this. It is certainly Maryland. So for you guys that don't follow Maryland, I have Maryland at number four, number five in my preseason poll, which I'll get to in a minute. Maryland, for you guys that don't know, they lost a kid by the name of Bruno Fernando who's going to be a first-round pick, second-leading scorer, leading rebounder, but they return everybody else, okay? They return three guys on the wing who are just badasses. They're just badass dudes. Eric Ayala's name, Aaron Wiggins. Shout-out to Aaron Wiggins. Shout-out to Torrent Craig as well. Torrent Craig doesn't play for Maryland, by the way, but I just want to shout him out. So Aaron Wiggins, Eric Ayala, and Daryl Morsell. And they have a kid down low named Jalen Smith, a former McDonald's All-American. But the guy they needed back was Anthony Cowan. He's their point guard. He's kind of the straw that stirs the drink. He will be a fourth-year player. He is the guy that is the difference for this team. And so now I think Maryland's a legit top five, top ten team. You want to put them in the top ten, that's fine. You want to put them at seven, eight, four, six, two, whatever. They're really good. Now again... Mark Turgeon, he's another one, much like Kevin Willard. I don't think the fan base believes that he's the guy that can get them over the top, but I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you that they're going to be really good next year. If Michigan State wasn't in the Big Ten, they'd be the favorite next year. But they're really good. Those were the winners of the draft deadline. Kansas, Kentucky, Louisville, Maryland, Seton Hall, the losers, you know, I, I I don't think there were many teams that were really big losers 
at the deadline necessarily, right? So like Tennessee, like Tennessee, for example, by the way, I should mention in the winners, LSU, obviously the bad boys of college basketball, but I talked about them last episode. All, none of their guys really waited till the deadline. Emmett Williams, Javante Smart, Marlon Taylor, and Skylar Mays all withdrew before the deadline was over. So I, I, they're a winner, but it wasn't like a deadline day winner kind of thing. Losers, you know, losers, I'm not really, I don't want to say I'm not keen on it, but I think most of the teams that lost players, they kind of knew for a while that they were going to lose them, right? So like everyone's like, oh, Tennessee's one of the big losers at the deadline. Jordan Bones said six weeks ago, I ain't coming back. Like, I don't know if I'll get drafted, but I ain't coming back. So whether Rick Barnes really wanted to admit it, admit it to himself or not, and I'm not sure, like Jordan Bone said from the beginning, I'm not coming back. Grant Williams, you knew for a while, he's probably going to declare, he's probably going to leave. Auburn's another one. Like Jared Harper said from the beginning, no, 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 like I'm not coming back. I don't think you understand. Like, like I know I might not get drafted, but I'm not coming back. And like in Jared Harper's case, I, I don't know that I really blame him. He's 5'9", he's a bucket getter. I don't know how playing at Auburn for another year is going to help him unless he grows five inches, unless he has a growth spurt, which I don't expect him to have. So like people are saying, oh, this team's a loser at the deadline. Like, I don't really know what they were. They knew it was coming for a while. The one that did take a little hit, Penny Hardaway, Memphis Tigers. And here's why. They got that kid Rajon Tucker, 20-point-a-game scorer last year, in as a grad transfer. But Tucker said very clearly, I'm still going through the draft process, and I'm still it's still going to be wait-and-see mode as far as if I am going to come to college or not. And if I come back, I'll come to Memphis, but I'm not sure if I'm actually going to come back. And so Rajon Tucker did in fact test the waters and did in fact decide to stay in. And I actually think that's a big, big blow for Memphis. And I'll tell you why. It's because basically everyone that's going to play next year is either a freshman or a sophomore. And most of them are freshmen. They got six top 100 recruits in the freshman class, but they're still freshmen two sophomores, and like a junior college kid that didn't even really play last year, that's their entire lineup. And so I thought Tucker would have had a veteran presence, a guy who's played major college basketball before. Uh, but, I, you know, I hear that they're losers, but I don't really know that I feel like even anyone other than maybe Memphis was a loser because most of those teams knew for a while that their guys weren't coming back. All right, let's wrap up with a couple things. I will answer a few questions at the end. Um, so my top 25 is out. It's it's pinned on my Twitter page. If you follow me, Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, that is where you can find my top 25. I'll tell you what I'll do really, really, really quick. Uh, I will just go through it, and then I'll kind of point out the things that seem interesting to me. So one, Michigan State. Two, Kentucky. Three, Duke. Four, Louisville. Five, Maryland, who I just mentioned. Six, Kansas. Seven, Texas Tech, that's where it started to get, eh, I don't know, da, 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 da. Eight, the bad boys of college basketball, LSU. Nine, Villanova. Ten, Memphis. Eleven, Seton Hollow, I just referenced. Twelve, Arizona, which we'll get into in a minute. Thirteen, Xavier. Fourteen, North Carolina. Fifteen, Ohio State. Sixteen, Virginia, the defending champs, my Virginia Cavaliers. Seventeen, Auburn, we just talked about. Eighteen, Florida. Nineteen, Gonzaga. 20, Utah State, 21, Creighton, 22, Baylor, 23, NC State, 24, Georgetown. I'll shout out my boy John Rothstein. He's the only other one I saw that had Georgetown in his top 25. I actually like Georgetown a lot. 
And then finally at 25, the Washington Huskies, who I think are very fascinating. They actually lose their top four scorers, but they bring in Jaden McDaniels, who we've talked about at length on this show, Isaiah Stewart, five-star power forward, who I think he might legitimately be the best freshman in college basketball next year. He's a monster. And Quade Green, former Kentucky point guard, enrolls at the middle of the semester. So Washington is very interesting. So here's a couple things that stand out to me. First of all, first of all, by the way, what is the Champions Classic? Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, Michigan State. I have all four of those teams in my top six, and I have Kentucky and Michigan State number one. And so we got Kentucky, uh, we got Kentucky Duke last year. It was hyped as the game of the century. As you guys know, it didn't really work out that way. But we might get one versus two again with Michigan State-Kentucky. We might get one versus three. I think Michigan State is going to be a universal across the board number one. I'd be stunned if they didn't start the year ranked number one. But I think we'll get one versus two or one versus three to open. But I think all five of those, all four of those teams, I think will start the year top four, top five, top six. I don't think any of them will fall out of the top six necessarily. Uh, so a couple takeaways that how about Louisville and Kentucky both in the top five to start the top four actually I told you I actually like Louisville's roster a lot I like the blend of veterans I like the blend of uh, of rookies of freshmen I like the blend of Jordan Awara as a scorer but also I think he's going to have more scoring help this coming season I like the freshman Samuel Williamson I like the freshman Aiden Agehan I think they're going to be really good next year. So that's a takeaway. How about our FBI boys? LSU, the bad boys of college basketball. Arizona. Literally six weeks ago, we didn't know if Sean Miller would have a job, if Will Wade would have a job. Now they both have a job, and I got them both in the top 12. I actually bumped down Arizona because I felt like it was a little bit too high. By the way, I will say this. Texas Tech maybe a little bit too high at number seven, but... Keep in mind, they lost five out of their top six scorers last year and went to the national championship game. They just signed a grad transfer named Chris Clark. They just signed a grad transfer named TJ Holyfield. They're bringing in the best recruiting class in school history. So I think Chris Beard's going to figure it out. So seven might be a little bit too high. I'm not really sure. But back to the FBI boys, Sean Miller and Will Wade. They're t both those teams are really good. So LSU, it's more a byproduct of the guys that they bring back. As I've already mentioned, Emmett Williams, Javante Smart, Darius Days, Marlon Taylor, Skyler Mays. Arizona, on the other hand, has a really good recruiting class coming in. And I already know what you're thinking. Oh, they obviously cheated to get them, blah, 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 blah. I mean, I don't know what happens behind the scenes with Sean Miller, but the one thing I will say, there are two key guys Josh Green and, and Nico Mannion. Nico Mannion is an Arizona native. Josh Green's actually from Australia originally, the place that uh, loves to hate your boy Torres, that loves to hate the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. But Josh Green, Nico Mannion, both from Arizona. So when Josh Green moved to the States, he moved to Arizona. So both of them are from Arizona. Both of them grew up Arizona fans. I think that one might be, I think those two might be on the up and up as far as big time players who committed to Arizona without any, you know, additional, you know, stuff that maybe have been dropped on their doorstep, you know. So Arizona, I think is going to be really good. They are the favorites in the Pac-12. Uh, a couple other thoughts. Kansas I've kind of hit on. How about the Big East? I have five Big East teams in this 
uh, top 25, and I think they're all legitimate. I mean, Villanova, they lose their top two scorers, but they bring back everybody else. They bring back a really good recruiting class. I'm just curious to see, does some guy step up to be a star, one, and then two, how does Jay Wright handle all his freshmen? Because as we saw last year, he did not handle those freshmen well, which Javon Quinterly ended up transferring. Uh, Seton Hall, I mentioned. Xavier, I think I have higher than most. They return their top four scorers. All four of them are either juniors or seniors. I think they could be really good next year. Travis Steele, much like Penny Hardaway, we're going to find out, can this guy coach? Because he's got a lot of talent coming back. Uh, Creighton, Creighton actually lost their second leading scorer at the deadline. I guess by technicality, they're a loser. But they still bring back six of their top seven scorers. So Creighton will be really good. And then the last one, I mentioned Georgetown. That young core, James Akinjo, Mac McClung. Um, uh, who am I missing? Uh, James Akinjo, Mac McClung, Josh LeBlanc. Really good team. And I think Patrick Ewing's a good coach. I've never once watched Georgetown under Patrick Ewing and said, they just don't look prepared. Like, they just don't look like they know what they're doing, right? Like, you would watch St. John's under Chris Mullen. You'd be like, what are those guys doing? You don't say that under Patrick Ewing. So that those are my big takeaways. Five Big East teams, the two FBI squads, the bad boys of college basketball, LSU and Arizona, um, Kentucky and Louisville in the top four, North Carolina and Virginia, I'll say this, I was a little torn. Like, Virginia, I'm seeing in everybody's top 10. I just don't buy it. I, I, You know, it's like Villanova last year. Everybody had Villanova in their top five after they lost four guys to the NBA. And I said, I know it's Villanova, but at some point there's going to be a drop-off. And when Virginia loses its top three guys, DeAndre Hunter, Ty Jerome, and Kyle Guy, I don't know how there's not a drop-off. Now, is it going to be extreme NIT drop-off? Of course not. I just don't think they'll be like elite, elite. North Carolina, I've said this on this show before, Cole Anthony, I think he's going to have a Trey Young-like impact. I'm not saying he's going to win National Player of the Year. I'm not saying he's going to lead the NCAA in, in, in points per game and assists per game like Trey Young did, but I think he's a really, really, really good player, and I think he's going to have the ball in his hands, and I think that he is going to, like North Carolina is going to ride and die with him, right? Even last year with Kobe White, they had Luke May, who was a senior. They had Cam Johnson, who was a senior. They had some older guys. Next year, it's all a bunch of freshmen and grad transfers, and so they're just going to hand them the ball and say go. All right, and I do want to wrap up. Uh, I've had some questions sitting in the inbox, and so I do want to wrap up uh, with some questions. A lot of you guys have sent them in. Some of them I've already hit on, but I want to start with a couple things. So first of all, Tommy actually asked me probably about a week ago, any word on Jordan Brown? Jordan Brown is, of course, the transfer from Nevada. Um, early on, it seemed as though everybody was interested, Arizona, Kentucky, Ohio State, et cetera, et cetera. So here's what I heard about Jordan Brown. And then uh, jo um, John Rothstein had Steve Alford on his podcast and basically confirmed it. Nevada is working under the presumption that Jordan Brown is going to be back next year. Now, here's the thing about me. You know I always tell it like it is, even if I'm going to piss somebody off. So I'm just going to say it. Jordan, and, and this is a knock on Steve Alford, who I've been critical. Jordan Brown's dad is a little bit of an attention guy. He's one of those attention-y dads that wants the attention on him, even though he has nothing to do with it. And so if you remember back to his recruitment, and I told this story on the show, 
it's that Jordan Brown was literally the last player in the class of 2018 to commit to a college. And he ended up at Nevada. And as I've told this story a few times, when Sharif owned, he was ready to commit to UCLA, ironically under Steve Alford. And when Sharif O'Neal decommitted from Arizona, Steve Alford and his staff basically went to Jordan Brown and said, look, we got one scholarship for the two of you. Sharif, we're about to offer. If he takes it, you're going to be out of a spot. What do you want to do? And the family was like, eh, let's just keep the party going. And so they waited another couple weeks. They ended up committing to Nevada late, but it was really, if we're being perfectly honest, it was the last good option available at that point. And I think like Cal had a, had a spot open, but Cal was a disaster. You weren't going there. Um, I think Arizona had some spots open, but Arizona was in the middle of the first wave of FBI stuff post DeAndre Ayton. So the point I'm making with all this is I think the recruitment is going to drag out because that is the nature of the family, specifically the dad. But I've been told by Nevada they think that he's going to come back. And I think they're kind of over the whole process too, right? Like I think that they, they're, they're just over like having to re-recruit this guy nonstop. Like, like they just have said, look, if you stay here, you're not going to have to sit out. You're going to be able to play right away. You're going to be one of the focal points of what we do. Uh, uh, Nevada has some really good guards but they don't have very much in the low post. You're going to play 35 minutes, and you don't have to sit out, like I just said. You can go to Arizona. You can go to Arizona State. You can go to Kentucky or Ohio State or whatever, but you're going to have to sit out a year just to be in the position that you're in right now. And so because of that, that is kind of my understanding of things is that Nevada is working under the assumption that he will be back. That could change any minute. We could hear about another visit. I know he's visited Arizona. I think Arizona State and St. Mary's maybe. But at this point, it's kind of just like, dude, like, come on. Like, make your decision, whatever. And I don't even necessarily blame Jordan Brown. I kind of blame the dad. So Curtis writes in. So Curtis writes in a couple things, actually. So shout out to Curtis. He sent me a few questions. He asked me the biggest winners and losers of the draft deadline I just hit. He also asked me about my thoughts on Juwan Howard. Um... I touched on Juwan Howard when he was hired, but but Curtis asked, who are the assistants that he should be going after? Will this be better or worse for Michigan in recruiting? I think the big thing with Michigan recruiting is I don't think we know what Juwan Howard's profile in recruiting is going to be, right? And so I don't know if it's better or worse because John Beeline recruited guys to his system. John Beeline recruited guys that worked for him that at a lot of other places – they wouldn't have even been recruited to. I mean, the, the stories go on and on, but like Karis Lavert, who's like an NBA all-star caliber player, Michigan was his only big-time offer. Trey Burke, until late, Michigan was his only big-time offer. Jordan Poole, who, who's in the NBA draft right now, is a guy that I think he was like a top 75, top 100 recruit. So I, I think Juwan Howard's recruiting may be better on paper. Maybe better in the 24-7 rankings. It may be better in the uh, whatever rankings, you know, rivals, whatever. Whatever rankings you use ESPN. I don't know that the players are going to eventually become better than they were at at Michigan because I think John Beeline was the best talent evaluator and developer in college basketball. As far as his staff, I'll say this. I saw yesterday that he wants to bring on Phil Martelli in a full-time role. 
that better be a non-recruiting role. Now, they have these roles, special assistant to the head coach, kind of in which you're basically helping the head coach with scouting report, game planning, stuff like that. But Phil Martelli ain't built to be on the road recruiting. I mean, Phil Martelli's been one of the really outspoken guys about how he doesn't like where recruiting went over the last 10, 15, 20 years. And if you're bringing him on as that kind of staff member, as a guy that's going to be on the road, I think that's going to be negative. They have a guy named Sadie Washington on the staff. I've, I, I don't want to say I know him because I don't. And so I think it's good in this regard, but I've talked to him a bunch of times. He seems to really get the culture of Michigan, the culture of what they built, also the culture of recruiting. I would keep that guy on staff. And he's not my buddy. I don't know him that like that. But what I'm saying is, is that he is a guy that I, I think understands what how things happened there and why they were successful. And he's a guy I would keep on. All right, last question. And this is a good one. Brandon writes in. And so Brandon's email is a little long, so I'll try to kind of cut some out, but it's a great question. He said, love the show, man. I spent a lot of time in the car doing sales and listen to every episode the day it comes out. You help me get through the week sometimes. Let's go. Let's go, Brandon. I hope you're having a great Thursday. I hope an entire continent is not coming after you on this Thursday. So here's Brandon's question. So Brandon said, look, I'm a Kentucky fan, have been my whole life. He says the RJ Hampton decision has no bearing on my team at all next year. And he said, the fact of the matter is, and he's going back to what we talked about at the top of the show. He said, you laid out facts that Seth Greenberg literally might as well have quoted you on, which is true. And people crushed you like they committed, like you committed blasphemy. Nothing you said was incorrect. And if any of those people listened to your last show, along with reading the article, I think they'd understand that your points are more than valid. If not, they are either homers who root for alternative paths to the league, people who spend their time crushing the NCAA, or both. Nothing wrong with having those opinions, but blasting you when you also just stated facts, acting like you're crushing the kid. So that's not really the question. Here's Brandon's question. Long story short, my question is this. What in the hell is the deal with these people? And again, he said, I love the show. Keep up the good work. You are my favorite source for all things National College Hoops. And I know other diehard college basketball folks feel the same. First of all, thank you, Brandon. Thank you, Curtis. Thank you, Tommy, who all submitted questions this week. Um... So this drives me bananas, Brandon, and and I, it, it's been my soapbox forever. Um, and yeah, like this week, I, I'm not going to lie, I don't think it hurt the Torres brand. I think people that get what I'm about get what I was saying. I think people that, as you said, listen to the podcast, read the article, like they understand what my point was, which I already explained at the top of the show I'm not going to get into, but that basically Australia is not the best option for RJ Hampton if it really is about getting to the NBA. I do agree, and I don't understand why. There is this brigade of people that, oh, the NCAA is so terrible. These kids are so, like, life is so hard. I feel like there's only three people in the media that are the exact opposite. One is my buddy from Fox Sports Radio, Doug Gottlieb, who I'm going to get on this show at some point. One is Dan Dockich, who's just like, no, I was a college basketball player. It's an awesome life. I coach major college basketball. It's an awesome life. And then there's everybody else. It's like, oh, these kids are getting screwed. Oh, life is so tough. Yeah, life is so tough when you have free housing. You get unlimited meals. You get a paycheck. This is what people don't realize, by the way, Brandon. Every kid gets a paycheck. It's called cost of attendance. They get a check at the end of every month that they are on campus to help with incidentals, stuff like that. So if any kid is saying, oh, I'm going to bed hungry, that's just not a fact. Because you now get unlimited meals and you get money in your pocket. And so I, I don't understand these people. Like Jay Williams is a guy that's like so 
anti-NCAA. And, like, I don't get it. Like, Jay Williams, and I would say this to his face, like, I'm not taking a shot at the guy, and maybe I'll get him on the show someday and we can argue about it. And you guys can hit him up on Twitter and we can have a cordial conversation about it. But Jay Williams, like, has a career covering college basketball because he played college basketball. Like, if he had been a one-and-done that no one associated with Duke, like, he wouldn't be working as a college basketball analyst. He works as a college basketball analyst because we remember him as Jay Williams, the Duke icon, not Jay Williams, the NBA player. Like, why are you crushing? You have a job because of the NCAA. Jay Billis is kind of the same way. Jay and I, Jay Billis and I have kind of gone at it a few times, privately, publicly, um, in a positive way, nothing negative. And, um, but Jay Billis, like, Jay Billis has a job because he played Duke basketball. Now, I, and I've told him that, and he disagrees that, and, and so Jay, Jay Billis I have less of a problem with than Jay Williams, but I don't understand these people. And my whole thing, and I've said this, is there's nothing wrong with wanting to earn a paycheck like R.J. Hampton, like Terrence Ferguson, like our boy Torrent Craig. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Um, but when you commit to go to college right now under the current rules, I know they're looking into name and likeness and all that. This is what you're signing up for. You're signing up for free housing, free room and board, which is the same. Okay, so free housing, unlimited meals, the best strength and conditioning in the world, the best, like I said, most of these big-time programs, Duke, Kentucky, North Carolina, they have nutritionists. They know every ounce of your food that you're putting in your body for peak maximum capacity. You have all that and you still get a paycheck at the end of every month. And my whole thing is this. And by the way, free health insurance. Something bad happens, the school pays for your surgery, pays for your rehab, whatever. And this is my stance. And I I will never get off this stance and I will never apologize for this stance. There are some people that want to get paid, get paid. But if you can't be satisfied with free housing, free room and board, free gear, which I didn't even mention, so you're getting some free clothes in the deal, free sneakers, all that stuff. Free housing, free, 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 excuse me, free housing, free food, unlimited food, free health insurance, free gear, and money in your pocket. If that is still not enough for you, if that's still not enough, then you shouldn't be playing college basketball. You shouldn't be in college. It's that simple. And look, I think some of the kids decided that. I think Jared Harper was like, college basketball is sweet, but it's time for me to move on. Okay, cool. Move on, man. And like, no no disrespect, no nothing. But the only point I'm trying to make is I'm with you, Brandon. I don't understand these people that like, oh, these kids, life is so hard. Life isn't hard. You know what's hard? You guys, you guys out there every day, Working nine to five. Some of you have told me your job. Some of you have told me your story. Some of you have told me, Brandon, you're in your car all day selling insurance. There's other guys and girls too, no disrespect. I know that work in factories and mines and like you guys have it hard. Like Zion Williamson and Tyler Hero are not the people that have it hard. Um, And I've been through this many times. I'm going to keep saying it. I hope it's not a broken record for you guys that, that kind of understand where I'm coming from. But I appreciate the question from Brandon. I appreciate the question from Curtis. I appreciate the question from Tommy. And I appreciate you guys listening. So thank you again. 
please make sure you subscribe to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, iTunes, Podcast Addict app, Podbean, TuneIn Radio. Please make sure to rate and review the show. So many of you have done it already. Five stars are welcome. Five stars are encouraged. Also, make sure to follow me on Instagram, Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast. And send in podcast questions. I couldn't remember the last part. Lay off me, okay? It's been a long show. Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. That is all for today's show. Shout out to Australia. Shout out to Torrent Craig. I will be back Monday. And for those of you who like Kentucky Sports Radio, you might even hear a little bit more of me.